We're just pilgrims and strangers are passing and traveling through. And uh, the older I get and the way I see this nation and the way the world's changing more and more, I'm glad it's not my home. Oftentimes I look around and have to pray and, you know, you try your best not to worry about things, but sometimes I wonder what type of a world my little girls are going to grow up in. It's thinking how it's changed my lifetime, but I'm thankful that no matter how bad the world gets, there's still a God who still sits upon his throne. Nothing is ever taken by surprise. Nothing ever is going to take him by surprise. And whatever's going to happen here, I just have to trust that God's going to take care of every step of the way, just like he'll take care of us. Thankful we serve a risen Savior there tonight. If you would, turn with me in your Bibles to the book of 2 Chronicles in chapter number 13. 2 Chronicles in chapter number 13 there tonight. We'll start reading in verse number 1. And if you would, when you find your place, if you wouldn't stand in reverence to the reading of the Word of God there tonight. 2 Chronicles chapter number 13 and verse number 1. And the Word says, Now in the 18th year of King Jeroboam began Abijah to reign over Judah. He reigned three years in Jerusalem. His mother's name also was Micaiah, the daughter of Uriel of Gibeah. And there was war between Abijah and Jeroboam. And Abijah set the battle in array with an army of valiant men of war, even 400,000 chosen men. Jeroboam also set the battle in array against him, with 800,000 chosen men being mighty men of valor. And Abijah stood up upon Mount Zemariam, which is in Mount Ephraim, and said, Hear me, thou Jeroboam and all Israel. Ought ye not to know that the Lord God of Israel gave the kingdom over Israel to David forever, even to him and to his sons by a covenant of salt? Yet Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, the servant of Solomon, the son of David, is risen up and hath rebelled against his Lord. And there are gathered unto him vain men and children of Belial, and have strengthened themselves against Rehoboam, the son of Solomon. When Rehoboam was young and tenderhearted and could not withstand them. And now you think to withstand the kingdom of the Lord in the hand of the sons of David, and ye be a great multitude. And there are with you golden calves, which Jeroboam made you for gods. Have you not cast out the priest of the Lord, the sons of Aaron and the Levites, and I have made you priest after the manner of the nations of other lands, so that whosoever cometh to consecrate himself with a young bullock and seven rams, the same may be a priest of them that are no gods. But as for us, the Lord is our God, and we have not forsaken him. And the priests which minister unto the Lord are the sons of Aaron, and the Levites wait upon their business. And they burn unto the Lord every morning, and every evening burnt sacrifices and sweet incense. The showbread also set they in order upon the pure table, and the candlestick of gold with the lamps thereof, to burn every evening, for we keep the charge of the Lord our God. But ye have forsaken him. And behold, God himself is with us for our captain, and his priest with sounding trumpets to cry alarm against you. O children of Israel, fight ye not against the Lord God of your fathers, for ye shall not prosper. But Jeroboam caused an ambushment to come about behind them. So they were before Judah, and the ambushment was behind them. Thinking about those last phrases there, and that last verse there. As the Lord is our helper there tonight for just a few minutes of when the enemy lays an ambush. Let's pray. I'm as kind and gracious and dear Heavenly Father, the Lord, we thank you once again for the opportunity that we had to gather back in your house here tonight. Father, we thank you for all the many blessings you've given to us. Lord, for the good rain that you've sent our way. Lord, the safety in traveling. Lord, the safety in the storms of this earth and in this life, but also the storms that we face spiritually as well and the things that come against us. 
Father, we thank you for salvation, that you sent your Son to this earth and shed his blood for our sins. Father, pray that you forgive us now for times we have failed you. Lord, forgive us for our sins. Lord, take the reading of your word here tonight. Lord, take it and use it. Bless it as thou, as thou do see fit. Take the reins of the service. Lord, just let all things be done to glorify you. And Father, be careful to give you the praise and the glory and honor for all things. For it's in Jesus' name we do pray. Amen and amen. You may be seated there tonight. Sacred Chronicles chapter number 13 is picking up shortly after that Solomon has passed along. And of course the kingdom was split at that point in time. God pronounced judgment. There became the northern kingdom of Israel and the ten tribes. And then there was the southern kingdom of Judah which had its two tribes. There was Jeroboam and there was Rehoboam. There is now come along now we see that Abijah has become to reign upon the southern kingdom of Judah. He began to reign as we saw in verse 1 in the 18th year of the king Jeroboam that was there in the north. And he was to find, if you read the previous chapters and read carbonated accounts, you also find in the book of 1 Kings as well, you would find that whenever Jeroboam was going to come over Israel, he first started out not to be, to be okay and then began to take Israel in the complete opposite direction from which they needed to go. Even we saw mentioned in the scripture there tonight, it mentioned that they had golden calves that they had made for them to be gods. Of course, immediately calls to mind the idolatry that the children of Israel committed back when Moses was upon the mountain way back in the book of Exodus. You would find how they made themselves that golden calf after they came out of Egypt and began to say that this was the one that brought them out of Egypt. They made them golden calves. They had them in two of the cities that was there in Israel. And they began to part largely from the way of the Lord. You would even find out also that Rehoboam thought that he was going to go out and that he would go by force. He would bring the northern kingdom of Israel back in to the fold and make the kingdom whole again. But the prophet of the Lord was sent to him and said, No, this thing is of the Lord. He should not go out and he should not fight Israel at that time. So Rehoboam at that point in time came back and decided not to go out. Now Abijah, his son, is on the scene and now they see that things have changed. Firstly there tonight we notice and we see that there is an enemy. Jeroboam, taking the kingdom there from the north, has come down with a great and a large host. Notice here in verse number 3, it said, Abijah set the battle in array with an army of valiant men of war, even 400,000 chosen men. Jeroboam also set the battle in array against him with 800,000 chosen men, being mighty men of valor. We know, sir, tonight that the enemy there that's here tonight is going to be the one that, that's Jeroboam, the one who's come down from the north, the one that's going against what God had commanded there. And more or less, this is a period of civil war that we see taking place between the 12 tribes of Israel. Ten on one side and two on the other. The two there on the south side, of course, was those who were still following after the commandments of God there. They weren't perfect. Abijah definitely had his problems. You can find, you can research that. But in looking at the picture of the scene and seeing the battle that's taking place here, you've got the two armies and a smaller crowd of the south that are serving and following God against the enemy in the north. That's, again, forsaken his ways. Cast out the priest. They went and sought other things. They made themselves golden calves and idols. And now they are come down and having that open conflict that's there. So they added the enemy we see present there tonight. Also we notice the entourage that's present there as well. Again, verse number 3, we saw the numbers mentioned. I don't know about y'all, but whenever you think about numbers, have you ever been in a really big crowd anywhere one time? There was one time years ago that me and Heather was helping someone who was running their own business and we went to where they were over in Bristol and they were having a big ball game. They were calling it the battles of football game. And I remember going to that. I forget how far away we ended up having to part just so we could try to walk to where the, the booths and the things that were there. And I remember thinking to myself, I don't think I've ever seen so many cars in any one single place. 
And it just seemed like there were cars that were going for ages. And then it seemed like there were people that was even more than the cars. I remember thinking to myself, I don't know if I've ever been in a crowd of people that's this big. But even then, I believe they said the number that was there present that day was only 180,000. And to me, that seemed like I was swimming in a sea of people. Here we see on one side, 400,000, but that was a small side. We see on the other side, there was 800,000. And notice it didn't even say that that was the whole host. It said 800,000. And the word says here at the end of verse number 3, it says that they were mighty men of valor. We're not talking like people like me that's marching up there and think they're going to fight. We're talking about big guys. We're talking about big guys coming with armor. Big guys coming with spears and with swords and with shields. No doubt they're sure they had archers present as well. This battle was a large pitched battle. It was something that in the ancient world would have been a very brutal affair. It would have been a very intimidating thing for the most strongest person there to have to stare down a host of that size and look at it there. Let's say you there tonight that we, you and I, also have an enemy. It may not be an enemy like you and I may think of as far as going man-to-man or going head-to-head with somebody else or even going, if you're like playing a ball game, you know, sometimes you get in that mindset. The other team is the enemy. I've got to play the hardest I can be, maybe take down one or two of them along the way. Not always supposed to do that, but I definitely entered your mind if you ever played, got into a ball game before. But now we've got an enemy. The Bible says the devil is a ruined lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. We know the Bible teaches that we have an adversary. He is there looking to try to get you down every single chance that he's got. If you're going to try to serve God, you're going to have a target on your back. You made a choice to be here in church here tonight. You know, the devil, I'm sure, tried more than once to try to persuade you out of coming there tonight. Oh, it's storming, it's raining outside. Oh, man, the weather's too bad. I mean, there could be a tree down down the road. We know some big rocks that have washed out of somebody's driveway down the road whenever we're coming here. We've got an enemy tonight, and he's going to try to have your number that's down. And he's going to also try to be an intimidating enemy. Those odds there tonight that Abijah and the host of Judah, those that were following God face down were facing two to one odds. Pretty bleak. Again, I thought 180,000 people was a pretty, pretty big crowd. 400,000 would seem enormous to me. But to look around and think to myself, man, there's 400,000 here, and then to see twice the amount that's on the other side, that would be a pretty intimidating thing that was there. They had the enemy who brought his entourage. Odds of two against one. Nextly, we also notice there, did not notice the entreaty that was made. In verses 4 through 12, as we read through there, Abijah began to address and address towards king, the king of Israel there. It said, verse number 4, And Abijah stood up upon Mount Zemariam, which is at Mount Ephraim, and said, Hear me, thou Jeroboam, and all Israel. Are ye not to know that the Lord God of Israel gave the kingdom over Israel to David forever, even to him and to his sons, by a covenant of salt? He's addressing out the king of Israel that's there. He's addressing his speech there to all the hosts of Israel. He's reminding them there. He's in verse number 5. You not to know that the Lord God of Israel gave the kingdom over to Israel for day forever, even to him and to his sons by a covenant of assault. You can go back and you'll find that out there, that God, of course, made that covenant, made that promise with the man who was after God's own heart. Of course, gave the kingdom over Solomon thereafter. God had a promise that God was going to preserve the lineage of David. There was going to be someone that was going to sit upon the kingdom of Judah. And there's going to be that someone that's going to be there today. We know that that line was never broken. Christ eventually came along being born, the line of the tribe of Judah, heir to the throne of David. And he's sitting right there tonight at the right hand of the Father, just waiting for the time he's going to come back and he's eventually going to sit upon that throne once again. He's never forgotten the promise that he's made to David there tonight. And we see that Abijah's reminding him there of the covenant that God made there saying you're not going to be able to break this. You're not going to be able to go against it. He begins to make the entreaty 
towards Jeroboam and the children of Israel, pleasing them not to fight against God and not to fight against God's word. You know, the Bible says that God's word, it goes out, it's not going to return void. God's word never goes out empty. God's word isn't just something that's written on a piece of page. It's something that you can take and keep every bit of stock in it and know that it's going to be true. It's infallible. It's inerrant. This right here, we know the Bible teaches not one jot, not one tittle is going to pass away till all is going to be fulfilled. He's reminding him there saying, don't go against what God has said, what God's word has said. No doubt Abijah is remembering how in the book of 2 Chronicles chapter 11, matter of fact, we'll turn back there. 2 Chronicles chapter number 11 here. I believe it's about in verse number 4. I didn't have that one marked there. That's, that's starting verse 1. It said, Rebom was come up to Jerusalem. He gathered all the house of Judah and Benjamin, a hundred and fourscore thousand chosen men, which were warriors to fight against Israel, that he might bring the kingdom again to Rehoboam. But the word of the Lord came to Shemaiah, the man of God, saying, Speak unto Rehoboam, the son of Solomon, king of Judah, and to all Israel and Judah and Benjamin, saying, Thus saith the Lord, ye shall not go up, nor fight against your brethren. Return every man to his house, for this thing is done of me. And they obeyed the words of the Lord and returned from going against Jeroboam. Abijah, you will find out he was set up to be, of course, being the heir to the throne that was going to be there. One of the princes of Judah was set up in a position of authority. No doubt he also knew very well of this commandment that the Lord had sent by his man. Abijah is reminding Jeroboam, saying, this is what God has said. This kingdom wasn't going to join together because it was God's plan and God's plan of judgment for what had happened previously that was going to take place there. So we see that Abijah entreats the, the crowd of Israel there as well. Now we've been laying the foundation to there and we're starting to get into the meat of what we want to look at there tonight. Next we see the entrapment in verse number 13. But Jeroboam calls an ambushment to come about behind them, so they were before Judah, and the ambushment was behind them. Even, I believe, while Abijah was there speaking on top of the mountain, and he was letting them know, saying, don't do this, you don't need to go against the word of the Lord. Oh, Jeroboam, oh, the king there thought, I'm going to be pretty slick. We're going to go out, and while all this is taking place, and all their attention seems to be focused towards this, and focused towards what's going on before them, we're going to send a, we're going to send some of the troops around behind them. And before they realize this, tell them what's going on, they're going to find themselves surrounded. They're going to find an enemy in front. They're going to find an enemy behind. And we're going to spring the trap and we're going to get them. We're going to be able to get the victory. He thought he had it figured out. You know, in this life, whenever battles and trials, temptations, anything that comes our way, it oftentimes seems it doesn't come just one at a time, does it? It often seems like it comes more than one at a time. It seems like whenever we get our attention focused on one way, it seems like, oh, something else begins to erupt right over here. They begin to focus there and think, I don't know if I can do it two at once, and it seems like there's something else on the other side. And then while you're focusing everything that's going on around there, next you find out there's something behind you. It comes and it sucker punches you in the back, and it begins to take you down. You begin to get defeated. You begin to get discouraged. And it seems like so many things begin to happen around about you all around. And it seems like the battle has suddenly took a turn for the worse. Whereas beforehand, you were taking, taking joy in the fact that you were serving God, that you were nothing that was right. Then the enemy comes out and decides he's going to fight you about it. And he begins to fight you in the front. He begins to fight you in the back. Before you know it, it seems like the enemy has surrounded you on all sides. The enemy will try to lay an ambush against you. He'll try to buffet you from every single side that he can get right there. Again, we mentioned it before. They were outnumbered two to one. You know, many times it seems like when those things come our way, it seems like there's no way that we can handle them. 
It seems like there's no way that we're going to be able to deal with it. It just seems like we just want to sit down and throw up our hands and say, that's enough. I don't believe I can do anything with it. I don't know what else I'm going to do. What am I going to be able to do with this issue that's there? <clears throat> they were focused on the front. They had the enemy on the sides and all around. It was a scary time. It was an uncertain time. It was a worrisome time. Just like you and I when we get in our battles and we get in our deep, dark places in our life. But also notice here in the next part of the, of the passage here, there was an entreatment that was made by Judah. Verse number 14. It said, When Judah looked, looked back, behold, the battle was before and behind. And they cried unto the Lord, and the priest sounded with the trumpets. I don't see right there where they began to throw in their hands and begin to ring and begin to worry and begin to wonder what they were going to do. Said they wanted to look around, and what was the first thing they did when they realized they were encompassed about all round about? They cried unto the Lord. Whenever we get surrounded by things in this life, whenever things come against us and it seems like we're outnumbered and that we're powerless, indeed we are. We can't handle it on our own. But we need to look above. Instead of them looking at what was going on their left side and what was on their right side, what was behind and what was in front, instead of looking at how the odds were stacked against them, the world may say that you won't be able to come back from it. The world may say that whatever you're facing is going to be unbeatable. But the fact of the matter is, we don't need to look everything around us. We need to look above. Look above everything that's around about us right there and realize that we serve a God who sits upon His throne. That we serve a God who is able and willing if we'll look up to Him to fight those battles for you and to take whatever you've got that you're going against and he could turn around and use it for his honor and his glory the Lord takes battles just like this and whips it around not because he wants to make us look good he's making himself look good he's also letting us know that he is in charge and he is on the throne we need to give the battle to him you know what's great about this verse here as well no matter how scared it was no matter how things that was there they looked unto the air and it said and the priest sounded with the trumpets in verse 15 it said then the man of Judah gave about gave a shout, and as the men of Judah shouted, it came to pass that God smote Jeroboam and all Israel before Abijah and Judah. He said when those trumpets said, it said they gave a shout. It doesn't say what they shouted about right there, but I wonder if they weren't shouting for glory. And shouting, saying, that's all right. You've got everything going around us. You've got the numbers. You've got some valiant, mighty man that's there. It seems like it's a battle that we can't win. But you know what? Our God is able. Our God is more powerful that's there. He's shouting and began to go out. And it said that God began to fight for them. And those trumpets sounded and began to shout. I believe that multitude all of a sudden that was going against them looked real big mean looked real big and tough. The thing that they just seemed to be is going to be insurmountable surrounding all sides. I believe that crowd just began to all of a sudden turn around and realize something was wrong as the fear of God began to come across them. And I believe they began to turn tail as well and began to move away as God began to deliver them a victory. That brings us into the next point there tonight. We noticed the exaltation that was given there to Abijah and the children of Judah. Instead of a cry of fear, they shouted, God can give us the victory no matter what the odds are are going to be right there. We need to shout in His glory and in His power as He defeats the foes that you and I are going to face at every sea, each and every day. And I'm thankful tonight that He gives us the victory continually as well. I want you to notice here tonight that under the exaltation there is an initial victory. Verse 15 and, and verse 16 it says, The children of Israel fled before Judah and God delivered them into their hand. And Abijah and his people slew them with a great slaughter. So there fell down slain of Israel 500,000 chosen men. Last I checked, when we looked in this scripture, there's only 400,000 children of Judah. But here it says that God allowed them to, to kill 500,000 children of Israel. Remember, they were outnumbered two to one. 
but yet God gave them a great and initial victory. Gave them a victory upon the enemy of the field that was there. 300,000 were the ones that had got away, the ones that had fled. And begins not only just initial victory, he continued to give Abijah and Judah a continual victory. Verse number 18. Thus the children of Israel were brought under at that time, and the children of Judah prevailed because they relied upon the Lord God of their fathers. And Abijah pursued after Jeroboam and took cities from him. Bethel, the house of God, with the towns thereof, and Jeshanab with the towns thereof, and Ephraim with the towns thereof. God continued to give them victory and began to award back some of the lost territory that they had. Not only God gave them victory upon what was there, He began to give them victory and they were able to retake some lost territory that had before. God is able to help retake things in your life that you thought might have been lost. God's able to help retake things in your life that you thought would have been gone forever. Things like your joy and your peace and the patience. I mean, so many things that seem like sometimes the fights and the discouragement of things dropped from us, God is able to restore them back as well. And also in verse number 20, notice it was a total victory. Neither did Jeroboam recover strength again in the days of Abijah. And the Lord struck him and he died. It was a total and a complete victory that Judah had over Israel. I'm thankful that when God comes on the scene and He gets a hold of things, He don't just do it halfway. He just don't do it a little bit away and then stop. If you put your faith and your trust in Him, He'll go the full length of the way. He can give you a total victory. Total, absolute, and that was done. Neither during the days of Abijah did they ever have that strength again. God gave them a total victory that was there. We see here tonight, we see an account of a battle, what would have been a very destructive battle as far as if you look at it from the perspective of being a civil war between the children of Israel with the north and the south. But also we see here that even for the underdog, they put their faith in God. He's able to do above and beyond that which you and I would even think would be able to be done. I don't know what you're facing there tonight, but God does. I don't know what trials you may have in your life, but God does. You may not know what health problem that you've got there tonight. God does. I don't know what type of your financial troubles you may have there tonight. God does. I may not know what emotional struggles you're having. Maybe someone that you know that's lost. Maybe someone that I know that's backslidden. I mean, you can fill in the blank with so many different things. I can think of two or three things in my head of people I know that are going through hard times. And I may not fully know the depth of it or the breadth of it. I know what all is there but God does. You and I serve a God that is able to give a complete and a total victory. Rather than us focus on what's coming at us, what the enemy is, however difficult it is, however much it's surrounding us, however much he's trying to defeat and discourage us, let's not look around us, but let's cry to the Lord and look above. Look above what problems that are going to be there. Cry out to Him. Put our faith in the fact of Him and let's go ahead and shout for the glory because you and I know that He is able to do above and beyond. He is able to do exceedingly abundantly above what we've imagined. He is able to do great and wondrous things which we've never even thought of. He can give you the complete and the total victory just like He did for Abijah there tonight. Brother Seth, would you come to Peter there tonight? I don't know what battle you're facing there tonight. But maybe you've been too focused there. If we would stand to your feet there tonight, maybe the Lord's spoken to you. Maybe you've got something on your heart that you're facing yourself and you want to come lay it down for Him and say, I'm not going to focus on the problem that's there in front or behind or the side. Lord, I'm going to focus on you. I'm going to give it to you. Would you take the victory? Maybe you just want to come to the altar tonight and pray about it. 
Maybe you know somebody tonight that's fighting a battle. I can think of some people I know of that's doing that tonight. Maybe just want to offer them up in prayer. That you would, God would continue to put a hedge of protection right about them. That he would strengthen them and uplift them there tonight. If the Lord's spoken to you there tonight, just come there at the altar. We'll pray there in just a moment. Give everything to him. Let him take the total victory. Let him take it all the way. Let's not try to fight the battle ourselves, but let's give it to him. <coughs> oh, most kind and gracious and dear Heavenly Father, dear Lord, we thank you. Lord, for the opportunity and the privilege we have to come boldly before the throne of grace. Lord, that we may be able to obtain mercy. Lord, that we can find help in the time of need. Lord, that you're always there and willing and listening to us, dear God, as we bring the things before you. Father, forgive us, dear Lord, for times of faith. Lord, forgive us for trying to wholly fight the battles that have been before us ourselves. And Lord, for being distracted at the battle around us and the enemies that's around us. But Lord, we should have been focused on you. Lord, help us to give it in your hands. Lord, help us to fight the battle in thy strength, not in our strength. Father, be with those that we know that are going through perilous times, dear Lord. Lord, that are facing battles and trials in their own. Lord, that you would strengthen them, dear Lord. Lord, that you would continue to fight their battle. Lord, help them to keep their eyes focused upon you. Lord, keep them encouraged. Lord, help them, dear Lord, we do pray. Lord, we pray that you be with the lost. Lord, those that are lost, we pray that you would save them before it's everlasting too late. Lord, those family, friends, and loved ones that we know, dear Lord, that you would save them, dear Lord. Lord, be with the sin sick. Lord, the backslidden, that you would bring them back again to you there, Lord. Lord, we pray for a vow, Lord, our nation, that would come back to know you there as well. If it be thy will, dear God. We see a revival in our homes and our churches and across the land. And Father, Lord, pray that you would give us the tenderness we need tonight to discern thy will. Lord, give us the strength that we need to follow it through. And Father, we thank you for everything that you have done, what you are doing and what you promised you shall do. Lord, we love you, Lord Jesus. For it's in his name we ask and pray. Amen and amen.